The Bible Study Podcast, Episode 374. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of Psalms with Psalm 33. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. Today we continue on with Psalm 33, the author unknown, and this is a song of praise. It goes like this. Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise him. Praise the Lord with the harp. Make music to him on the ten-stringed lyre. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully and shout for joy. A couple thoughts here. One is that the psalmist here is clearly asking for the people to praise God with music, which is not surprising because most Christian traditions have used music as a form of worship, although the Puritans were known to melt down their organs and turn them into pewterware for the poor. But in most traditions, music has played a very important part in worship. One of the things we should be aware of, of course, is that the selection of musical instruments would be different at the time. You would have a smaller set to choose from. Harp and lyre and drums and flute would probably be about all you'd have, at least of the instruments that we would recognize. So no organ, no piano, no electric guitar. And then one of the other things that strikes me with this is that there isn't one instrument to play, but David is naming all of the different instruments that are instruments of his time, and there's no one way to praise the Lord. If you're a harpist, you can praise the Lord with a harp. If you play the lyre, you can praise the Lord with a lyre. And I think the same is true today, and I think it's also true, and this is going to be a little more controversial for some of you with different styles of music. I personally believe you can praise the Lord with Gregorian chants, you can praise the Lord with shape note singing, you can praise the Lord with organ music, with piano, and yes, even with electric guitar and drums. All of the talents that are available to us can be used to praise the Lord. And the psalmist continues, For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The Lord is full of his unfailing love. At this point, the psalmist, having started with telling us to praise the Lord, it tells us why we should. And the reason for that is the attributes of God. And again, that's what praise is generally doing. It's remembering the attributes and the deeds of God. And in this case, it's saying that God is right and true and that he is faithful. That means that God keeps his promises and says also that God loves righteousness and justice. And so God is the God of right in really the message that is coming here. God is the God of doing things right, but God is also the God of the righteous. Since he started with, sing joyfully, you righteous. And so this is a call to the people of God to sing out the praise of God. And then he goes on and talks about the deeds of God and specifically creation. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, their starry host by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea into jars. He puts the deep into storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. We might quibble with the cosmology of this particular psalmist in the sense that gathering the the waters of the seas into jars, I'm not sure that that is something that we should try and take literally. But what he's saying here is that God is the creator. As we learned in Genesis, that God speaks over the waters and calls things into being. And the person who wrote this, it's easy for us to say, doesn't understand how everything works. 
but they understand they were created by God. Now, the danger there is I think that sometimes we think that we do understand the way things work, and I think you will find that even if you know everything that there is to be known about science these days, there will still be some surprises ahead of you. If you look back historically, at many times we always thought we understood things and then discovered that our current theories had to be replaced by better theories. And so whether God has literal mason jars filled with seawater or not, whether he has storehouses where he keeps those or not, we can say that God is the creator and that God does know how things are made and and God does know how the system runs. And God also knows how the system should be fixed should we cause it to come out of alignment with God's creation. The Lord foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of the peoples. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever for the purposes of his heart through all generations. One of the things that I really enjoy about reading the Old Testament, there's certainly fire and brimstone in there. There is judgment. There is violence. But there is, throughout all that, the plan of God. The plan of God that allows Joseph to be sold into slavery and put into prison, and yet then we discover that he was there for a reason, so that his people could be saved. The plan of God that allows the children of Israel to become slaves in Egypt for 500 years so that they can prosper and grow into a mighty nation, but then delivers them. The plan of God that gives Abraham land that is not his, that he doesn't even have enough people to possess, and then waits for the people who are there to continue in their sin for generation after generation and until it is time for them to be judged in the time of Joshua. The plan of God that calls shepherds and turns them into kings. The plan of God that raises up prophets when his people stray. There is a long-term plan that is evident when you read through especially the historical books of the Old Testament. And that's what the psalmist is saying. The psalmist who has read the same things that I have said, the plans of the Lord stand forever. That we may make our plans, the nations may make their plans, kings may make their plans, but if they are out of alignment with the plan of God, they will fail. Because God is a long-term thinker and God is moving his plans forward. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he chose for his inheritance. From heaven the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From his dwelling place he watches all who live on earth. He who forms the hearts of all, who considers everything they do. And so the psalmist goes away from God who creates and says, God who creates even our hearts knows how they work and can see our choices. How blessed are is the people whose God is the Lord. And this is something that is a message to Israel, but it should be a message to us as well, as the people of God. How blessed to be aligned with the purposes of God, to be aligned with the plans of God, is a blessing. No king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all its great strength, it cannot save. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love, to deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. And I think of that first part there, No king is saved by the size of his army. Certainly that is a lesson that Pharaoh learned at the Red Sea. Certainly that is a lesson that the Midianites learned in the time of Gideon. Certainly that is a lesson that Sennacherib, the Assyrian king, learned in the time of Jehoshaphat. 
that God is more powerful, that God is working his purposes out, and that God will protect his people. There are certainly Christians today who are finding themselves in times of persecution. I think of the Christians in Iraq who are now living under the Islamic State, who are in my prayers every day. I think of the Christians who are under persecution from Hindus in rural India. They are in my prayers every day. And the psalm continues, We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. And I bring up those who are under persecution because the way this psalm ends, it started with God and his heaven and everything is okay, and yet it ends with people who are hoping for the Lord. We only hope when we do not have what we want. And so the psalmist is looking at a situation where God hasn't yet worked out all his purposes. God hasn't yet acted in the way that he wants. And so he's saying that we know you are strong, God. We know that you are God. We know that you are creator. And now we will wait and trust that you will fix what needs to be fixed. Because we know that you love us with your unfailing love. We know that you help us. We know that you protect us. If you were in need of help, if you were in need of protection, my prayer for you will be the prayer of the psalmist this week, that God will be with you as you put your hope in him. With that, we'll end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, feel free to send an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com or leave a comment on this episode at thebiblestudypodcast.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Chris2x. And as always, thanks so much for listening. tired of parenting advice and news headlines that are more confusing than assembling Ikea furniture, we've got just the podcast for you. My dear friend, Abby, and I are here to help you navigate the parenting roller coaster. Should your kids be on social media? What should you tell a friend facing an unplanned pregnancy? These are just some of the many questions we tackle on our podcast. Subscribe to The Real Deal of Parenting wherever you find your podcast.